Welcome to Nostalgia Marcana. I'm your host, Doug Leaf. Each episode of this podcast, we will look back on the pop cultural ephemera that remains in our cultural zeitgeist today and try to understand why we remain enchanted all these years later. This week, we will be revisiting... Back on the cartoons that have influenced me, uh, my sense of humor, and probably a lot of animators uh, in the field, it's hard to think of a cartoon that made a bigger, uh, louder impact than Ren and Stimpy. It was grotesque, it was subversive, it was mean-spirited, and it was very, very weird, uh, but it sure hit me all in the, in the absurdist 11-year-old feels uh, that summer of 1991 when it came out. So I'm really looking forward to revisiting this show and all of its weirdness, uh, and I'm not doing it alone. I've got a returning guest with me. She is the idiot to my bloated sack of protoplasm, uh, my sister, Amy Baum. Hey! So I uh, I know that this cartoon was big with us in our house. You want to talk a little bit about how uh, you first encountered it and, and how you felt about it? Um, well, probably 1991 was when those Nic- the Nickelodeon Nicktoons started. So it was Ren and Stimpy, Doug, Rugrats, and I know I watched all three. And just Ren and Stimpy was the one that was just probably the funniest because it was silly. At the age of eight or nine, I probably was into all the toilet humor. That was part of it. But yeah, just that was just, just random and funny. I uh, I feel kind of the same way. It definitely hit me that way because it was gross. But I think it gets that reputation for being gross. And it is. But it's a lot more than just gross. And we'll get into, you know, all of the other weird things it does and why it's so influential. Because there were plenty of cartoons that were gross. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this did something much more uh, intense and unusual and, and really interesting. Now, before we get too far into it, I do have to put a big disclaimer at the top of this episode, because we're going to be talking a lot of sugar about the show, and uh, by extension, the immense talent of its creator, John Chris Felusi. However, as with the thriller episode, uh, John Chris Felusi is a terrible human being. (laughs) And so I don't want to, of course, misconstrue, or anyone to misconstrue, our praise for the show, and also his performance as Ren, which I think is actually really good, and, you know, of course, he was a major force on the writing, the directing, the art, everything. This was his baby until he was uh, unceremoniously fired from it at the end of the second season. And we can talk about why that happened and why that is. But he's also a terrible human for a lot of other reasons. So, again, the praise for the art is not praise for the man. And uh, you have every reason to want to disregard him uh, as a person. Uh, but 
anyway, I did want to get that out of the way so no one thinks we're like, oh, man, what a cool dude this guy is. Uh, he is not. He is very much a bad, bad person. So with that out of the way, what do you think it is about this very odd cartoon that made it such the hit that it was? Um, the humor, the fact that it just some of the stuff in it was just so random. And I think and then, of course, you showed me that um, Looney Tunes um, cartoon, the Daffy Duck one. And yeah, we should talk about that. You know. um, I, I didn't know this until fairly recently. Now, obviously, all artists are influenced by the art that came before. They all stand on each other's shoulders. But uh, this particular Daffy Duck cartoon, it's called The Great Piggy Bank Robbery. It is an exceptionally good Looney Tunes cartoon. It's directed by Bob Clampett, who is one of the giants of animation from that era. But there's a lot of things in this particular cartoon, and John Chris Velucci has cited it as his favorite, that you can see where this stuff ended up in Red and Stippy later, especially like its aesthetics. I mean, what did you think when you watched this thing? I told you, hey, go watch this for an assignment. What did you think when you saw it? I mean, I definitely wouldn't have noticed it as an as a kid, as an adult, and then watching a few episodes over the last, like, two days or so. I can see the influence because it has that, that very retro feel in the animation, the, I guess, the music. I can see, I can kind of see a similarity and just the zaniest. Yeah, just the 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 music, the feel of it is very retro, like all the music. So I can kind of see the influence there as an adult now that I know about it. Well, the music is we, – well, I want to set that aside for a minute because the music of Ren and Stimpy is definitely worth talking about. But in terms of the visuals, like one of the things I noticed is – I mean right away there's a sequence in this Daffy Duck cartoon where he is uh, imagining he's uh, Dick Tracy. He's basically mm-hmm. having a you know a fantasy that he's Dick Tracy. And Dick Tracy is known for having this get rogues gallery of very colorful, weird villains. And so he, as Duck Tracy, stumbles into the rogues gallery, which is presented not as regular drawings, but as these highly detailed still paintings that became a hallmark of Ren and Stimpy. These like, really weird close-ups where... They could show you all kinds of crazy details that they couldn't do with a character in motion. Uh, they were specifically designed for these like very long pans that were, you know, uh, this is, again, where the grotesquerie would come in the most because they could put that detail in. So that comes from this Daffy cartoon. But also, I think, at the beginning of the cartoon, you watch Daffy kind of pacing back and forth, and he's very emotive. The way um, his body kind of deforms... Mm to uh, express emotions. Hey, it looks like a piggy bank crime wave. Why don't people keep their piggy banks in a safe place, like I do? Ah, It's gone. My piggy bank's been stolen. Oh, angoli, angoli. What'll I do? What'll I do? I know. I'll call Dick Tracy, the famous detective. That's it. Give me Dick Tracy. Hello, Dick Tracy. That also is very much a hallmark of Ren and Stimpy. Like the, the Ren and Stimpy animation style, like there's no two drawings in Ren and Stimpy that are the same. And yet these characters feel consistent, but they're really constantly being stretched and pulled and distorted in all these crazy ways to convey emotion. Oh, yeah, a lot of the like the eyes bugging out. 
Yeah, just very, just very Looney Tunes, wacky Looney Tunes-ish movements and animation. But I think it's, it, it's like, a, because of this particular cartoon and, and some others like it, this is more akin to some of the more, like, extreme versions of Looney Tunes and, like, your standard, you know, Roadrunner or, or Bugs Bunny. Right. Like, th- this has more in common with something like Duck Amuck, the classic one where Daffy is, you know, being fucked with by the animator who turns out to be Bugs Bunny. Mm-hmm. You've got that. You've got that scene in in this one, the Great Piggy Bank Robbery, where Daffy like he's basically he was trapped behind a door, like there's a pile of dead goons blocking the doorway, and the animators were like, "Well, how are we going to get Daffy out from behind this door? He's trapped in there," and literally like he just his body just disintegrates into like weird parts that just wiggle mm-hmm. through the holes in the bodies and then just reassemble as Daffy, like something that's like a pure cartoon logic you could not do in any other medium. Like, that's Mm-mm. Ren and Stimpy DNA right there. So you, you mentioned the music before. Uh, we want to talk about that a little bit? I guess there's something very retro about it. Like, yeah, it has, uh, there's something very similar in the music um, from the Daffy Duck cartoon. It just has that very re- very retro-ish feel. Well, like, very old-timey. Yeah, it's very 50s kitsch. Like, the, the fonts they use, the kind of background paintings they use are, are very much of a piece with, like, 40s and 50s era looney tunes stuff but the music they use is all with the exception of the the intro the theme to the show and the outro there's no original music for the show except occasionally when they would do a song but Mm -hmm. all the like background music is licensed stuff and it's either bits of classical music Which again, very Looney Tunes, mm-hmm. or these like oddball tracks that all sound like they're either from some forgotten sci-fi movie. like a toothpaste commercial from from the 50s oh yeah because those like they do those little commercials in some of like in some of the episodes um that we watch they have to hold the log commercial right and i think wasn't that the slink that was like the song for slinky yeah the, or something? the log song is the slinky jingle like where it's mm-hmm. a, just a direct parody of the slinky jingle But you're right. Like they would do the, you know, there's powdered toast, man. They, they would do these um, other, they don't whiz on the electric fence. Like interstitial 
quote unquote commercials for fake products within the body of the show. And there you would definitely get that that 50s, you know, uh, feel of, of a commercial from the old times. I really like that. It gives the show like it's got a very distinct aesthetic identity, both visually and, and musically. Like mm. the look and sound of the show is unlike anything else. Like you would never mistake it for another thing. And nothing else ever really even tried to copy it that much. Not really. I mean, I think, I mean, Run and Snippy probably paved the way for some of the other, some other cartoons, like especially on Nickelodeon. I mean, but not quite to that extent. Like later on, you got like Rocco's Modern Life, which is, can be, could be kind of weird. Maybe a few other ones later, but um, yeah, nothing to the extent of Run and Stimpy, especially you know, with especially in regards to the stuff that was either gross or random. So the one that comes to mind is I was thinking of like that you know that scene at the end of Jurassic Park where they're flying away in the helicopter and they look out the window and they see the birds, and it's that reminder of like yes, dinosaurs are gone, but they've evolved into birds. They're still with us in some different way, right? Mm. I look at that and I look at SpongeBob SquarePants and it's the same. Mm. It's like, okay, we don't have Ren and Stimpy anymore, but SpongeBob uses some of this. They definitely use those like grotesque still images. They, Mm -hmm. those characters get deformed a fair amount and are very emotive. Like there's certain bits of Mm. Ren and Stimpy DNA in SpongeBob. Although obviously it's, it's, you know, much sweeter and it's consistent. Right, that was the other thing that was unusual about Ren and Stimpy is they don't have a consistent world. They are like no. they are like Looney Tunes. Like each they they're like actors that are in different shorts playing different parts, even though they're still them. In the same way that like the Three Stooges or the Marx Brothers would always be the same quote unquote characters with different names in different situations. That's uh, true because they had like they were like the Cadet Hook and Stimpy, or they had we watched the, I watched the Canadian Guilted Yaxmen and. Like a bunch of other, yeah, like a couple other random ones, yeah. Right, like, you know, SpongeBob lives in Bikini Bottom. He has his friend Patrick. Like, he has a house. He has a job that persists from episode to episode. And Ren and Stimpy do not have any of that. They are much more akin to Looney Tunes that way, where, you know, for example, we didn't cover, we didn't decide to go back and watch this particular episode, but there's a Robin Hood episode where Ren is Robin Hood and Stimpy is all of the other characters in Robin Hood. Mm-hmm. There's a very famous Looney Tunes cartoon where Daffy Duck is Robin Hood and Porky Pig is Friar Tuck. And it's very funny. It's literally the same idea. They're like, what if our characters were the Robin Hood characters instead of you know regular humans? Right. Do you have uh, like a standout moment that like solidifies like this? This is the thing that like clinched the show for me. For Ren and Stimpy, um, probably the thing that stands out the most, probably Space Madness. I feel like that's as kids, that's the one we probably quoted the most. Yeah, I definitely committed that monologue to memory at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We can talk about individual episodes. You know, there's – I'm sure if you're listening to this and you care about Ren and Stimpy, there's a favorite moment or an episode that, you know, you love. Whenever we cover a TV show on this podcast, we just – we can't get to them all. So we – I picked a handful of episodes I thought were kind of representative of the run of the show. And also, I guess we should mention – so I I alluded to this earlier. Chris Velucci was fired at the end of the second season. Ost- the, the stated reason was he could not deliver enough episodes on time, which became like that was a standard. Even The Simpsons made fun of them for that, that they, they could not, you know, they just did not have very many episodes and they could not get them out because Chris Felucci was so demanding 
and controlling about the content. And, you know, he wanted, he was very particular about that. He was very protective of it. But Nickelodeon was like, look, man, this thing's a hit. We have to, we can't keep showing people the same reruns. We need new episodes. But beyond that, he was creating a hostile work environment and doing other things to, you know, deserve getting yeah, fired. Didn't he, I feel like I read something on Wikipedia. Didn't he get in trouble for, like, doing some, like, inappropriate stuff with underage he's girls? He's a sexual predator. Yeah, I, I didn't say it. But, yeah, he's a sexual yeah. predator. He's a bad, like I said, bad person. I don't know if that was known at the time he was fired from the show. That, you know, it was going on back then, but I don't know if Nickelodeon knew about it. They certainly know about it now, and they even took his picture off of, like, the wall of, like, you know, Nickelodeon honorees, you know, the, the, he's off of it. They did continue the show on for three more seasons. It was a different animation house doing it. They went from Spunco, which was Chris Velucci's animation house, mm-hmm. to a company called Games Animation. And Billy West, we haven't talked about him, but Billy West is the voice of Stimpy. John Chris Velucci was the voice of Ren. Billy West, legendary voice actor, best known for this. He's best known as the voice of Doug. He is the Fry red, from Futurama. Fry, he's half. He's like a third of the characters on Futurama. He's the Red mm-hmm. M&M. He took over for Chris Felucci voicing Ren, which is interesting because he auditioned for Ren initially and did all of the voices. Uh, and then Chris Felucci decided, I'm going to do Ren myself. They're pretty, I mean, you can tell the difference, but it's pretty close. But I still think the show after that, after Chris Felucci left, was not the same. You know, it just was an imitation. I agree. I remember as a kid, I think I remember feeling like around after that, probably by the time I was 11 or 12 and feeling like this show isn't the same. It's not as funny. Like it was like a little too weird or something. I think they were trying to imitate what had come before instead of just creating something new. You know, they were just like, all right, what have we already done? Let's, Let's just, you know. I don't know. We'll just be weird. And there's an art to being weird for the sake of weird. Like just ask Monty Python. Like it's, you know, you have to do it correctly. Um, out of all the episodes I picked for us to watch, there's only one from the third season that I think is worth mentioning and, uh, and which Chris Felucci had a hand in before he was fired and then nothing else from three, four and five. Mm. Um, there was also a weird revival that Chris Felucci did on his own later that is terrible and should not be looked at by human eyes. Mm. But yeah, let's get into it. Let's, let's talk about, first let's talk about the characters, I think. So uh, tell me a little bit how you, how you see Stimpy. Well, Stimpy, obviously he's the, you know, quote unquote, the dumb one. He's, I think in some ways, like he's a little child, you know, maybe just a little childish. He's the kind of the silly one. But sometimes like you see, I feel like I see moments where he is a little, will be a little more smart than Ren or like, I feel like the one we, the Sven Hoek one where it's like Ren's constantly like on him and Sven for being idiots. And yet he's the one who pees on the electric fence. Like, yeah, I mean, they'll give every once in a while they'll give Stimpy a, a moment to strike back mm-hmm. at Ren, who just abuses him, and it's like you kind of want to recoil from the amount of like physical violence that Ren does to Stimpy because True. it's not like Tom and Jerry where he literally like you know cuts him in half, but there you know he just like slaps him, slaps and him, and him and calls stuff. him it's, stupid and idiot, and it's like this guy they're supposed to be friends, but. Yeah, you can kind of, yeah, once in a while they'll go for pathos, but it usually doesn't work that well. But, like, you can still sort of accept the violence because they make Stimpy such a marshmallow that you sort of get the impression, like, well, it doesn't really hurt him. Like, it's just, you know, it it's it just bounces right off of him because he is so just squishy. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't matter. 
but I do like that. Yeah, he's a little, we we talked about the Simpsons the last time you were here, and he's definitely got that same kind of like slider as Homer, which is like we can make him s- smarter when he needs to be. Like he's the guy inventing the machine to make Ren happy uh, in Stippy's invention, right? He's right. clearly got some intellect. He's the one who does all the work on the cartoon that he creates, Stippy's cartoon show. But then a lot of the time, yes, they will move that slider way down. Like, you know, he's when they make him dumb, he is the dumbest cartoon character that has probably ever been depicted oh, on screen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like literally just like drooling and, you know, just sticking stuff in his ears and ears mouth and nose. nose. Or, like, yeah. Yeah. But you need to root for him. His voice is interesting. Do you know who the voice is based off of? Um, no. Okay, the voice is based off of, Billy West said, uh, is Larry Fine from the Three Stooges, so. You started everything. Oh, I can't see. I can't see. What's the matter? I got my eyes closed. Oh, spread out. Come on. Uh, but where he would tell he would tell the story like, well, gee whiz, Mo. Like, his, that's how Larry sounds. They said, well, Stimpy can't be that it's too morose so they basically said they'll take that voice and like amp it up so you go from this old jewish vaudeville comedian to gee whiz button me ren you know you you amp it up like that and that's how you get that's the, the recipe that billy west came up with for stimpy um do you know where ren's voice comes from yeah of course ren was just uh yeah ren's you know pretty cruel um, pretty angry. Um, like I just remember, you didn't have us watch this one, but there's one where he splits his personality, and it's the, you know sort of the classic cartoon trope where you split you split the character into the good side and the evil side. But with Ren, it was the evil side and his indifferent side. It's <laughs> just more evil side. Yeah. Yeah, I. He is like this, you know, rage elemental. That, you know, they, they get a lot of mileage out of just how angry he is. They get a lot more mileage, I think. Forget anger. They get a lot more mileage out of insanity. Oh, yeah. You know, like both characters going insane. Um, but especially Ren, who, like, a lot of the episodes, like, the, the comedic, like, juice is Stimpy driving him over the edge. Or, or him just going over the edge and being right. crazy and doing random things and it's funny. Um, the voice, if you know who, where the voice, so the voice is like, it's like three different people mushed together. Um, one part, the big part of it is Peter Lorre, who, uh, you would know is he's in, uh, his biggest roles are in Casablanca and the Maltese Falcon. He's this Mm. old uh, movie actor who talks like this a lot. Um, I forget where he was from. You, you imbecile, you bloated idiot, you stupid fathead, you... <laughs> but that's the, that's like Ren's speaking voice. And then uh, part of it was Kirk Douglas, that like, like that part of Kirk Douglas's voice, when Ren gets really uh, angry. I apologize for not being entirely honest with you. I apologize for not revealing my true feelings. I apologize, sir, for not telling you sooner that you're a degenerate, sadistic old man. And you can go to hell before I apologize to you now or ever again. And, uh, oh, what's the third one? Oh, Burl Ives, of all people, who probably audiences would not know. He was a singer and actor best known to modern audiences. He's the snowman 
from the mm-hmm. Rankin Bass Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer Cart uh, stop motion thing. He he's the narrator snowman. That's Burl Ives. He sings Holly Jolly Christmas, and those three make Ren. There you go. Okay, yeah, I didn't know so that. They, yeah, that's where the voice comes from. Uh, but yeah, he's the asthma hound Chihuahua. Uh, yeah, let's talk about Space Madness. That's a good place to start. Probably, yeah, if you were going to show somebody one Ren and Stimpy episode, this might be the one you show them. This one and maybe Stimpy's Invention, I think. I would say those two. Yeah, so Space Madness, yeah, that was just that monologue just stuck with me forever. Like him going crazy in the bath and eating his soap, thinking it's an ice cream bar. Yeah, and but before you get to even the, the mania... It's an interesting episode because it kind of introduces the concept of Commander Hoek and Cadet mm-hmm. Simpy. Um, because it opens with them like getting ready to watch that on TV, which is, I guess, themselves. Like, you have this whole segment of them sitting in front of a TV talking about it. And then the episode starts, and then we're right into Ren talking about them being on a long space voyage and this whole idea of like cabin fever, of, of going mad. Mm-hmm. on like a 36-year mission or something. I think I forget the years. Are they like they're not on duty for another like couple of years? Yeah, they say it's like downtime, but it's like six years of just downtime of just the two of them. And that's when you get one of these matte paintings, right? It's like, okay, what are we going to do with six years? And it's just them, like, it's just red. You can just see him staring at Stimpy and all of his like pores and scabs and stuff as he's just looking over this like grotesque thing in front of him. That's when they get the mileage out of that. But then you're right. Then we get to that monologue, which uh, I'll have to drop in a clip of that because mm. it's wild. You like the same things I do. Wax papers. Boiled football leather. Dog breath. We're not hitchhiking anymore. We're riding. Stop it. You're talking crazy. Oh, no. I know what you want. You covered it my ice cream bar. Come on now. No, you don't. You can't take it from me now. I've had this ice cream bar since I was a child. People always trying to take it from me. Why won't they leave me alone? Yeah, he's you know, floating around, he's eating ice cream. I mean, you can talk about some of the things that go on during the sequence. Yeah, quote unquote ice cream. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's a bar of soap he's eating and saying it's ice cream. And then cream. even the end, it's like he, the whole, how it ends where like, he tells Stimpy like, oh, that's a history eraser button, you just have to guard it, but don't touch it. And they have that announced. I was gonna say, this is where the show gets random and, and strange, where it's like, a lot of times Monty Python sketches would just sort of, they just sort of end. You know, they don't they don't have to you know, land that plane smoothly. Mm-hmm. So like, we've just gone through this entire sequence where Ren is going, you know, completely insane and just raving mad. And then the next scene is Ren tells Stimpy to guard this button that will erase all of history if pushed. And then the question is, is he going to push it? Can he resist the temptation to which he screams? No, I can't. And pushes it. End of episode. There is, um, there is this Stimpy scream that you hear from time to time, this like this maniacal high pitched laugh, which is Billy West. And he told a story about it where he said, like, you know, they kept pushing and Chris Felucci just keeps pushing and pushing, you know, louder, crazier. And he's afraid. Cause like, you know, he's like, I'm going to blow out my voice. I'm a voice actor. If I blow out my voice, I got nothing. And he of course reaches this insane height. 
And he said, like, I'm never doing that again. You know, he had to take days off to recuperate. You will hear that they used it many times in the series because damned if he was going to do it a second time. We'll just reuse the clip. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll drop that laugh in somewhere to here too, so you can hear it. It's it's really something. <laughs> I I can't imagine how a human being makes this noise. I know, but yeah, uh, like that's what voice actors get paid to do is just do all this like weird shit with their voice. So, well, yeah, but there's still limits to what a throat <laughs> can do. Right. Yeah. Uh, all right, so what do you want to talk about next? Which one? I want to save Son of Snippy for last because that's the Christmas episode. And this oh, is yeah. Come out um, Christmas, so. I would say probably the next one would be Stimpy's Invention. Just, yeah, because obviously okay. every you know, who doesn't know happy, happy, joy, joy? Yeah, the concept here is so great because the whole point of it is, you know, Ren is a rage monster, so Stimpy is going to invent something to make Ren happy. And, and what does he invent? The happy helmet. The happy helmet, yeah. <laughs> and so he slaps it on him. And uh, it makes him, quote-unquote, happy. But there's also uh, something kind of deranged about the way, like, Ren has that smile where it's, like, kind of slowly going in the teeth. You know, he slowly starts seeing his teeth. and Hey, what's happening to me? No, got to fight it. Get loose! Control! Will storm! Body weak! Me! Stimpy! I'm so happy! I must go do nice thing! <laughs> You can tell that he is being forced to be happy against his will. Like, right. right. He can't, it's contorting his face into a smile grotesquely. It kind of reminds me of that bit, that classic uh, gif that you'll see now from from uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, where Chuck Jones animates the Grinch and it, like his smile like kind of goes up the corner of his, of his mouth and his like hair mm. curls up and it keeps it just kind of keeps curling and curling and getting crazier and crazier. It's a little like that. Like it's you know again this is cartoon body horror as he is forced to be happy and then as he once he is quote unquote happy he's like jittery and he like kind of talks like must do nice things you know it's it's not natural no and you get all those like they they kind of do this other thing when the emotions get high they they get rid of the like to call them realistic but they get rid of like the nat- the, the background of like the house that they're in and mm-hmm. they're in like a like kind of this like painted void they use that a lot, like to convey insanity too. Like when like mm. things are getting really surreal. But yeah, I, you can talk. I mean, you, there's experts on animation who talk about this. But like the the level of like detail and fluidity of this motion is really like light years away from what any other TV animation was doing. It's almost on par with like Disney, mm. like you know, the feature animation. Like you mentioned, uh, Doug and Rugrats, the other two Nicktoons at this time nothing like this they were so primitive in terms of their animation yeah well those two weren't really silly i mean doug was could have been like like a sick like a sitcom really and then i mean rugrats was sweet i mean rugrats was about babies so it's not even that though it's the style it's like they Mm -hmm. a lot of the comedy from ren and stimpy is not so much like a clever 
line of dialogue, it's often like the the intensity with which it's delivered right. and the way it's drawn. Like, they're just funny drawings. So, yeah, let's talk a little bit more about Stimpy's event. So we get to the um, the song, of course, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, Stimpy tries to put on to make Rand happy, which is happy, happy, joy, joy. Hello, boys and girls. This is your old pal, Stinky Whizzleteats. This is a song about a whale. No! This is a song about being happy. That's right. It's the happy, happy, joy, joy song. Happy, happy, joy, joy. 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 Happy, happy, joy, joy, joy. I don't think you're happy enough. That's right. I'll teach you to be happy. I'll teach your grandmother to suck eggs. Now, boys and girls, let's try it again. Happy, happy, joy, joy. 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 This is another thing where the Burl Ives influence comes in, actually. So, in the middle of the song, there's these, like, breakdowns where the singer's like, the little critters of nature, they don't know that they're ugly. Uh, that's pretty funny, a fly marrying a bumblebee. Like, he just says this stuff. Mm-hmm. All of that is Billy West doing lines that Burl Ives did in movies and stuff. And, and like, albums he recorded. Totally out of context. It's just random word salad from Burl Ives. Here is a song about a whale with a most amazing appetite. That's very funny, a fly marrying a bumblebee. But did you ever hear of a cow jumping over the moon? I told you. I told you I'd do it. I told you that you wouldn't believe me. Damn your soul! I told you! Like, no kid on Earth would get those, these references. Right. I all. mean, I didn't know, I didn't know that either. <laughs> Me, no, nor I. I, I. This is the kind of thing I learned from watching an interview with Billy West. You know, the, this is stuff that, like, there, there's all kinds of stuff in these cartoons, in Red and Snippy cartoons, that is not, it's not even not for kids in a way it's like, ooh, this is adult and, you know, over your head. It's like, no, no, we're literally just referencing shit that you've never heard of because it's 35 years old <laughs> or more because it just made them laugh, I guess, to do this weird stuff. Mm-hmm. I guess it was funny uh, to them to put it in. Yeah, do you uh, do you want to talk a little bit more about where the, the episode goes after that, after the song? Oh, yeah, so I think eventually, like, you can see, like, Ren doesn't want that helmet, and, like, that last time they're singing the, you hear happy, happy, joy, joy, he's, like, trying to destroy that helmet. He's literally, like, banging the thing, banging himself over the head with a hammer or something. Like, yeah, he's bashing himself over the head with a hammer, like, in time to the music, because, like, every time he hits his head, there's this big, like, cymbal crash Yeah. as he does it. Like, and just the look of, like, rapture on his face to be destroying this thing is so good. And then the, the it actually does end on a pretty good button, which is when he, you know, you think, you know, he finally gets it off, right? And he's back in rage mode. And then what does he do? He says, I love being angry. Thanks, Stimpy. Yeah. He just says, he goes... Uh, yeah, right. He's he's he, he lo- he's so happy that he's angry that he, he's ha- grateful, and, and Stimpy just kind of goes, "Uh, you're welcome." 
and then we get a close up of Ren, and you hear the like the crazy, yeah, like throat destroying laugh. laugh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I talked about before. That's the laugh. The like, you know, and like they had drunk Chris Felucci clearly couldn't do that with his voice, mm-hmm. so they had Billy West do it, and it's assigned to Ren. But that sound effect will be used for Stimpy as well here and there, and that is Stimpy's invention. I, I think one of their best. Uh, what other ones did we say we were going to talk about? Where, where do you want to go next? Uh, we talked the rubber nip. Was it the rubber nipple salesman? Rubber nipple salesman. Yeah, this is very odd. This this really digs into like their fifties kitsch mode. I mm, think. Oh a lot. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to talk about it a little? Yeah. So I guess it's the what is it that Stimpy invented these like special rubber nipples and they're going door to door trying to sell them. Well, just the concept of a door-to-door salesman. Like, have you ever in, in your life encountered a door-to-door salesman? I don't think so. I mean, I've had people knock at my door and try to, like, sell me magazine subscriptions. Oh, yeah, and, magazine you know, hey, we're, Or, like, or do you want solar? I guess we get some of that. <laughs> I guess that. Or, like, yeah, we're raising money for our basketball team's trip to wherever. Mm-hmm. You get that. But not, like, the dude with the suitcase and the bow tie and the, you know, the pork pie hat. Who's you know going to open up the thing and say like, oh, well, this is the lady of the house at home because I'm selling you vacuum cleaners or whatever. Like it's a very '50s idea to begin with, but so are all the people they meet, right? Yeah, they they like ran into some weirdos. So they have the the guy that's like trying to kill that I had it up to here with the legs of you people. That one, right? He literally like beats Ren into a pancake. Yeah, because he thinks he's a midget. Oh, he thought he was a circus. He thought he was a circus midget or something. That's the word, phrase he uses, yes. You know, I mm-hmm. hate, I thought you were one of them circus midgets. At, you know, and Ren is just like a quivering pile of goo at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and that vo- I forget who does that voice. I don't know if it's Billy West or one of the other, like, regulars they had. But they that voice, that kind of, like, gravelly, like, I've had it up to here! Like, that guy, they use him a lot. Mm-hmm. And he's very effective. And then we meet Mr. Horse. Well, Horse, he's, yeah, he's in a couple episodes. He's usually the, no, sir, I don't like it, like... Yeah, they have a few of these, like, semi-recurring characters. There's, like, him, there's Muddy Mud Skipper, there, there's George Licker. There's, like, a few of these, like, peripheral characters that pop up from time to time. But they're not, like, Simpsons peripheral characters. They're also, like, Red and Stimpy, where they they don't have, like, a set thing, you know, that they do. Or, or you know, they might have a catchphrase, but they don't have an identity. That's, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, Time to talk about what Mr. Horse is doing in this bit, because it's this is the best part of the episode. Yeah, this is like he's so creepy. Like this is the person you don't whose door you don't want to knock on. Where he's like, Did my wife send you? Well, and he's also covered in head to toe with like yellow rubber, like mm-hmm. all over him in like this weird, like you don't know what he's been up to. Like it's that feeling of like when Jody Foster knocks on Buffalo Bill's door oh, in right. Silence of the Lambs. Like, oh God, you know, if she doesn't know. She just knocked on the serial killer's door. That's the, like, vibe they're going for with this. Oh, yeah. So, nipples, huh? Hmm. No, sir, I don't think I have any use for rubber nipples. But I'll tell you what, though. Do you have any rubber walrus protectors? Call the police. No, because even when he brings out the walrus and the walrus says, like, just call the police. Yes, and it ends there. That, that, that bit ends with just the, him just pulling out this poor walrus who looks terrified. 
Uh, it's really funny. It's unfortunate in a way that we're doing this as a podcast because there's so much of this that's visual. Um, and I, even though I'm going to put in clips, there's some of the stuff that's like it, it hits harder when you see it because these images are so striking and yeah, you know, expertly like, animated. I don't know if that like if as a at eight or nine years old that really like struck me how creepy that really was. But as an adult, I'm like, oh shit. No. <laughs> I just thought, like, you know, hey, he's wearing this funny rubber suit and he's acting weird. And call the police is funny as a kid, but you don't you don't go make the next connection, which is like, oh, yeah, he's, he's doing something terrible to that walrus, you know, that, uh, you know, is beyond the laws of God and man, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Uh, and then, then they get to this, like, 50s couple, which they bring in from time to time, where, like, he's, it's like literally like Ward and June Cleaver, uh, with, but you never see the tops of their heads. Right. And then, of course, uh, they're going through all yeah. the different uh, uses of rubber nipples, and they they're sold. Yes, well, it's like what it can it can like hold your nose hair, right? Clippings yeah. and stuff. Like it does all these ridiculous things they try and come up with, mm-hmm. and they buy some, and that's it, right? They just buy some, and there's the, epi- the episode's kind of over. Right, uh, like yeah. they they kick them out of the house, I think, and they they're like end up on like cows or like bulls or something. And like yeah, they just ride off. Mm-hmm. Again, like, yeah, like, th- these episodes didn't need to end in a logical way because they're defined by being random. Right. All right, uh, next up on our, our uh, carousel of uh, Red and Stippy episodes to, to revisit. Let's see. Uh, the Royal Canadian Kilted Yaxman. Yeah, this was the last episode, I think, that the Spumco team uh, animated. This was their, their swan song before uh, John Kay was uh, kicked off. It's one of the rare episodes, which is it's the entire episode. It's not usually you get like two shorts. Mm-hmm. Uh, this time they spent the entire thing. And uh, go ahead and explain what this is. So I guess like yeah, they're sent on this mission um, that it's like they and they could you know basically die for their country, and they get you know beat up by Kodiaks and they're running out of food and water and of course the one thing I remember the most is the song. Yes, you once you've heard it, which again, it's a version of uh, "My Country Tis of Thee" or "God Save the Queen." Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, same melody. Our country reeks of trees. Our yaks are really large, and they smell like rotting beef carcasses. And we have to clean up after them. And our saddle sores are the best. We proudly wear women's clothing and searing sand blows up our skirts. And the buzzards, they soar overhead. And poisonous snakes will devour us whole. And our bones will bleach in the sun. That's it. And we will probably go to... And that is our great reward for being the Royal Canadian Kilted Yaxman. Come on, everybody. Our country reeks of 
And yeah, you're right. Like this, this episode is explicitly set in like the 1800s. So again, no continuity with anything else in the show. It's one of these episodes where they die at the end. That happens from time to time. Whatever, oh, yeah, they can where die. You just, like, yeah, because they have, like, the, you see them saluting, and then, like, years later, you see their skeletons, and there's, like, a freeway over them. Yeah, they haven't moved from that spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think I, I believe their solution to survival is to eat dirt. Yep. They find, like, a rich vein of dirt. But I love that, like, in the middle of that, Stippy's like, ah, I got the dirt. And Red, like, slaps it out of his hands. like, no, that's poison dirt. <laughs> there's great weird stuff happening in this thing. You get the yaks that they're riding, like, conspiring against them. Yeah, or like the one like freaks out because he's so sick of Stimpy singing the song. Shut up! I can't stand it anymore! All the time! Singing! Singing! Why won't he stop? Yeah, well they have him sing the song and it's this like two minute long triumphant moment. Mm-hmm. And then it cuts to them like crawling through the Canadian desert. Yeah, uh, there's a desert uh, in And Canada. he's still singing okay. it. Uh, yeah, it, it's great because it like it kind of plays out that idea of like you can, you can't really be racist against Canada. It's like sort of impossible. You could just sort of like oh we can make any weird thing we want. And I guess hey if you're Canadian and you found this offensive, I I can't argue with you. But there is a sort of weird thing which is like yeah you know it's it's so absurd. You know, like, this is what Canadians are. They're these bounties that this is their history. That you know, These two dudes went and found dirt and uh, for, for colonization. And I guess they paved the way for South Park to make fun of Canadians, too. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, there, there's definitely, I, I think, a line from there. There. Although I saw an interview with Trey Parker where he said he was talking about Red and Stimpy. And he said, like, he felt like he didn't get it. That all his friends really thought it was funny. And he realized all of his friends were stoned. I, I don't think you have to be stoned to enjoy Red and Stimpy. I sure wasn't. No, yeah, uh, no. At the age of, like, 8, 9, 10, 11, no. <laughs> no. So. But that is the Royal Canadian Kilted Yaksmen. Um, they would come back to Yaks as a comedy thing later. They did an episode that was, like, Merry Yaksmas or something. The song would definitely appear on albums that they put out. I mean, they put out a lot mm-hmm. of merch. Uh, but definitely they put out some Red and Stimpy albums. They followed The Simpsons. I don't, remem- I don't remember there ever being albums. Yeah, yeah, there were. Uh, I, I knew uh, one of my friends growing up had one, and I remember listening to it. And it's like, it's the songs. It's the songs you already heard from the show. It's like, here's Log, here's Royal Canadian Kilted Yaksmen, here's Happy Happy Joy Joy, uh, and maybe some other like bits in between. But it wasn't a lot of original material. The one thing I do know is there's a, I think a bit from, uh, there's like a Firehouse Dogs cartoon short yeah. that they did, it's, you know, the first season. There's a bit of that, like, dialogue in the album, but the album was released after John Chris Felucci was fired, so they had Billy West go back and re-record Ren's dialogue to be on that album. So that tells you how thrilled they were with him. Okay, so that is, that, that's uh, Yaxman. We have to talk about Stimpy's cartoon show, I think. Yeah, and then I do apologize because this was the one I really didn't get to watch beforehand because I couldn't. It wasn't on Paramount Plus. I couldn't really find it on YouTube. Um, Yeah, you can't find some of these. It's weird. I don't know if there's rights issues with some of the like music they used. Uh, That's my best guess as to why some of these things are not there because there was all these licensed music tracks that maybe made it hard for copyright reasons. mm -hmm. Uh, But you can find clips of it, and certainly my memory of it is pretty strong. Do you want to talk about uh, Stippy's cartoon show? 
I just, um, the one thing I remember, the things I remember, I guess Stimpy's making their cartoon and he convinces Ren to be involved by being the producer because he tells him, oh, when the cartoon's done, the producer takes all the credit. You can play producer. Producer? What's that? A producer is the guy that tells the artist what to do, and later makes all the changes, and then, when the cartoon's done, he takes all the credit. Yeah, yeah, th this bit of it is very, the whole thing is very meta. Like, you can tell, mm -hmm. this is oh, absolutely, yeah. this or, This is similar to the, uh, the Poochie episode of The Simpsons, where it's like, we're going to write a show, an episode that's all about the business of, of making cartoons. And you said that like he convinces Ren uh, to join the cartoon show. Ren is like very dejected because he's not part of the show. And so Snippy's like, well, I need to give him a job so he'll feel like he's not left out. And so he says, you could be the producer, at which point he becomes a tyrant as uh, Ren is wont to do. So you can find these clips of like he's, you know, ripping apart Stimpy's storyboards. He's making him do things over and over and over again. Uh, it's, you know, in his usual cruel way. Uh, but I love that clip where he talks about what a producer is. I think that's really funny. And then wasn't this the first one that had, they introduced this character, Wilbur Cobb? Wasn't this the first one that he appeared yeah, in? Yeah, so, right. So Stimpy's goal is to get this cartoon in front of Wilbur Cobb who's basically Walt Disney, right? That's the con in the continuity of this episode. That's what he's like, right? He's this legendary animation figure, and Snippy wants desperately for him to see the cartoon, as does Ren. And they they have this meeting with him in his office, and it's like, ne never meet your heroes, especially on Ren and Snippy, because you want to talk about what he's like? I have, like, vague memories of him just being like, I feel like the more they used him, they got just more weirder and gross with him. Yeah, yes. even in this first episode, though, like, for one, his body is literally falling apart. Mm-hmm. Like, he'll, he'll and, it, and it's not, uh, there's no continuity, right? So he'll get up from a desk, and his arms will still be there on the desk, just rip right off of his shoulders. And then in the next shot, they're back, right? There's no, there's no sense to it. But, like, he's got, he's holding Red and Stippy close to him, like, his body, and Stippy's looking up as his ears, like, melting slowly down yeah, the side of his bleh. face towards him. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's like this, like, really ridiculous kind of leprosy riff that they're doing. Right. I just, I don't know. I think as a kid, I just, like, maybe that was around the point where I was, like, this show isn't as funny anymore or something. I This is the one, yeah, this is the one, I think, standout episode from season three because it's so meta. Like, you can see, you know, the writers and the artists, like, you know, we, we are going to kind of strike, we're going to strike a little satirical note here uh, about the biz. Because then you see his cartoon that he made, which is pretty impressive for, you know, a Stimpy making it basically by himself about Explodey <laughs> and his love. Now we're in an airplane. <laughs> Is that you, Explody? Well, Explody, I'm ready for that kiss now. 
hungry? Okay, Explody. I don't mind waiting. This reminds me a bit of the Poochie thing. It reminds me a bit of um, Jay Sherman in The Critic, his like, student film. Mm. Uh, there's also another bit from The Simpsons where you see like a Soviet cartoon called Worker and Parasite. Any of these like bits are like, here's a really weird bit of animation of like a cartoon that makes no sense. Mm. Do you have any memory of, did you watch any the clip of the actual cartoon itself? Unfortunately, no, I didn't. You couldn't find the, the show with the show. Yeah. It's like, it's, uh, you know, it's weirdly drawn. It looks like a first grader drew it sort of. Mm. Uh, it makes no sense. Uh, and of course at the end, explodey explodes. That's mm. it. It's a weird episode, but I think it's worth mentioning because of its, you know, again, it's a meta narrative. And I guess if we have to go on to another episode, uh, Sven. Yes, Sven Hoek. This is, uh, you know, kind of like, it's sort of the classic, you know, uh, the sitcom logic here where we're going to meet Ren's cousin Sven, and cousin Sven is. Basically like Stimpy. <laughs> Yeah, he's, he turns out to be another Stimpy. He's like the same dimensions. He's like, if I was going to put Stimpy inside of Ren, like mm-hmm. you'd stretch him into this shape. Like, that's what he looks like. Right. And equally stupid. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about some of the things they get up to? Like, literally, Ren, like, he, like, he's gone for most of the episode. Like, he says, like, I'm, I'm leaving to go to work. Don't mess anything up while I'm gone. And then you can talk about some of the things they get into while he's away. I remember they like they play hide and they play hide and seek and they're like in the litter box and then of course the big thing is well, they want to play the game the game they want that they choose don't whiz on the electric fence and then Ren gets home and it's like what they've covered is like like put his opera re- records in bubble gum they painted his dinosaur droppings and I just imagine to look it like to be Easter like, eggs yeah I just imagine it to be like. What if, like, you, like, left your little children alone in the house for hours? What would they do? Yeah, I wouldn't trust Stimpy alone in the house. <laughs> no. Let alone two of them. Y- yeah, like, the the stuff they got up to, of course, again, it's the, like, super random stuff. It's, you know, it's, you know, again, they put his records in bubblegum. The, the weirdest one is his collection of rare incurable diseases. Oh, and I forgot about the, that one. Yeah, oh. yeah. You see, like the germs crawling down the the drain. Oh yeah. Like really, like you know, this, this stuff speaks to like Ren's very odd hobbies. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of like so they've they've done that before too. There's other episodes where they touch on this idea that like Ren, you know, in his downtime is into some you know, very random weird stuff. Mm-hmm. It's a little like uh, Bert from Bert and Ernie with his like bottle cap collections and like pigeon fixations and stuff. Like yeah. it's it's weird. But then, yes, you're right. Ren whizzes on the electric fence, and he's not supposed to. Uh, and they all die. Again, another episode, they all die. And I love that they die. And then they don't just die. They die and go to hell. They deserve to go to hell. I don't think Ren and Stimpy are uh, on the side of the angels. Maybe Stimpy, but still, they probably not. And I love that. Like, it's just, and I love that the devil's like, so, you whizzed on the electric fence, didn't you? Yeah, apparently that's been a big problem for a lot of people. <laughs> They they do a lot with the fifties kits because it mostly takes place inside the house, right? And like it's a lot of that, like just the the aesthetic, the look of the house is super fifties. The look of the board game, the the whiz that was on the electric fence board game, it looks like, you know, uh, something like Twister sort of. It's got a lot of colors and like shoots and ladders mm-hmm. kind of feel to right. it. Right. They it's like this must be, and I think I don't know if John Chris Felici was born in the fifties, 
but he certainly obviously has a lot of love for the time period. And maybe it's because of his love of Looney Tunes stuff. Mm. Uh, but yeah, a standout episode for sure. And then I think that probably takes us to the last one, which uh, that we wanted to cover, which is Son of Stimpy. Aww. This one, okay, so you can say what the premise is because it's pretty. Yeah, he. Yeah, he basically Stimpy farts, and he basically just like mourns the loss of his fart. He spends the entire episode. First, he tries to convince Ren that he farted, which implies that Ren doesn't know what a fart is, (laughs) because it's like he's something came out of my butt and it was smelly and it's it's smelly and it made made a sound. sound. Right, and he's like, he won't believe that it happened, and he tries to do it again, and he can't. As uh, but yeah, he spends the whole episode, like, yeah, trying to find Stinky, his his son. Right, or, like, he's, still, like, sitting in front of the TV, like, moping, and, like, Ren's like, come on, let's watch Muddy Mud Skipper, let's do this, let's do that, and then he's just like, Stimpy's just like, I don't care, I don't care. And I think he, Ren makes a comment of, like, come on, it's been three years. Yeah, three years he's been mourning this fart. And, like, What's interesting about this episode is it's very different in terms of, like, the comedy engine underneath. Because usually, as we've covered in a lot of these episodes, it's like, Stimpy drives Ren crazy. Ren goes crazy on his own without Stimpy's help. Stimpy and Sven drive Ren crazy. Like, at the end of that, uh, we didn't mention it, but in in the last episode, uh, the uh, Sven episode, that ends with another long monologue from Ren. That's insane. I'm like, oh, what I'm gonna do to you. Oh, what I'm gonna do to you. I'm so angry. First, I'm gonna tear your lips out. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. And then I'm going to gouge your eyes out. Yeah. That's what I'm going to do. We don't like this, Ren. Yeah, you scary us. Good. You scared, huh? Next, I'm gonna tear your arms out of the sockets. <laughs> and you wanna know what else? I'm gonna hit you, and you're gonna fall. And I'm gonna look down. And I'm gonna laugh. <laughs> yeah, like, it's very similar to the Space Madness monologue. And here, Ren isn't mean at all, or almost never. Right? He's actually very, like, worried about his friend Stimpy and his, like, torpor. It's, it, like, the whole thing is played for pathos, and, like, the reference is way more Pinocchio than Looney Tunes. Oh, yeah. Like, did you, I mean, did you see a parallel with Pinocchio or, or no? Um, I guess uh, the idea when Geppetto's, like, looking for Pinocchio, I guess. 
Yeah, like there's it's literally him like calling the name, you know, Stinky Pinocchio. Like there's that. There's also like a tower in the back. They show like a, a shot of like a bell tower. Going like ding, ding. it's a very Disney looking bell tower. Oh yeah. Like the visual reference. The visual reference is all like classic Disney as opposed to mm-hmm. classic Looney Tunes. It's right, like they, they yeah. went out of their way. Well, because Disney it was like all about like having the heart, and whereas like Looney yeah. Tunes was just about being zany. Yeah, Looney Tunes has zero pathos ever. There, there is not one episode where they even try. And here, they actually do. Like, once you get past the like the premise of, like, it's a fart, everything else about the episode is like, oh, he's really dejected. He's, he's devastated at the loss of his quote-unquote kid. And Ren's sad that he's losing his friend. Like, they really worked that pathos very hard in this episode. And it kind of works. Yeah, but for the fact s- that it's a fart. And you're like, and you're like almost going to cry when he comes back, and then the fart comes back, and he's like... And he's like, well, I'm not really back. I'm all grown up. And like, yeah, I'm getting married to a dead fish. Yeah. Stinky! Dad. I thought I'd never smell you again. And now you're back, and we can be together forever! (laughs) No, Dad, we can't. You see, I'm all grown up now, and I've got my own life to live. I'm a man now, and a man has needs. You understand, don't you? No. here, Pop. Maybe this will help you to understand. Come on in, honey. Dad, I want you to meet my fiance, Cora. Gee, she's beautiful. It's very silly, but like, also, we should mention, it's like a Christmas episode, because like, at the end of the episode, it's Christmas time, and mm-hmm. Stimby's very sad because he's alone for the holidays without his son, and like they're all wearing the the red hats, and there's tinsel everywhere and mistletoe, and it's like it's interesting. Like I don't think the episode was necessarily released at Christmas time, but like it's the closest. I mean, it is a it's undeniably a Christmas special. Oh yeah, and that's it, right? Stinky gets married, and then they go on their honeymoon or go to live. They move into Ren's. It's like they go into his nose and close the door. Yes, because there's a door in his nose, of course. And Uh, they put a do not and they they put a do not disturb sign on it. Right, which as a kid I didn't get, but obviously that implies that this Mm -hmm. now this fart is going to uh, have pre-monocta with this fish head stuff they could get away with. They could somehow slip past the Nickelodeon censors, but I think that's a good place to kind of to wind down on Red and Stimpy. Mm-hmm. Because like it just kind of shows the the spectrum of what they were able to accomplish on this show. Yeah, absolutely. Because that was like one of the rare Son of Stimpy was definitely one of the rare times where it's they had that pathos. I mean, sometimes you had you definitely had that. Like I think I remember there's the one where the, um, 
Stimpy's fan club where like runs like crying his eyes out at the end because uh, Stimpy was the one who wrote him a letter about how wonderful he was. So, I mean, yeah, that, they got they got there at times. Every once in a while they would go for it. And I think it's sort of like it's still I don't know if it's we're meant to sort of just be mean spirited and laugh at it because I think maybe John Christopher Lucy would. Mm-hmm. But the show thrives so much on the way they would animate emotions, right? The, most of the comedy is this melange of like it's yes, it's lol random combined with like taking every emotion to 11 and you know again distorted faces and like eyes bugging out and like sometimes that would be mania a lot of times it would be mania or rage and every once in a while sadness suffering uh loneliness isolation uh, they would do all of they would figure out right, we're gonna work in a different gear today we're gonna you know mine some other or like ex- ecstasy like you know just joy happy happy joy joy right they, they would find ways to make all of these emotions into the jokes. That's where the jokes lived. Do you want to talk a little more about anything else you kind of want to bring out about your experience with Red and Stimpy before we, we wind things down? I would just say that, yeah, probably just the some of the more gross, like, toilet humor stuff, definitely funnier at the age of nine than as an adult. Just some of that stuff now, I was sort of, like, watching it as an adult. Some of it I was just kind of cringing but yeah uh-huh. sure I, I mean it's not something i would want to show ben and celeste yet they're too young no. uh but i i think you know the, the coming back to it it was like man the craftsmanship on display is second to none no tv show would have the budget to do this kind of animation now no. and no show would be as daring to do this stuff i think it would be nice to see i know supposedly there's a revival in the works I don't know who's behind it. I know they got Billy West to supposedly sign on to it. but well, Especially if he's still doing Futurama. Yeah, I mean, you could do it without him, for sure. It wouldn't work. Um, but I, I was just struck by, like, man, this show got such a rep for being gross. And, you know, yes, okay, so we're going to do this episode about a fart, right? That's so faded into the background as I watched it. I'm like, man, there's so much more going on here. Like, once you get past that and you're, like, into the meat of what's on offer on the screen, it's wild. And it's just so – it's such a, like – it's like a, a a big middle finger to all of animation that had been going on up to that point. I'm like, we're going to do – no one wants to watch any more of this, like, sludge Saturday morning bullshit. We're going to do something really intense and weird. And showcase the best our animators. Uh, yeah, because just in the in general, the '90s, I feel like was when cartoons got better. Like we had a lot of good cartoons. Uh, you know, because this was—I mean, The Simpsons was never meant for kids, and The Simpsons, the quality of The Simpsons animation can't touch this at all. But yeah, you're right. Like this was like it was a dare, and basically the other animators and animation studios to go like, look what we can do. Can you do that? Can you push this envelope? I think you need that. You need people in art to kind of, you know, push back and say the status quo isn't good enough. We can do better. I mean, yeah, this if there's any cartoon that pushed the envelope, definitely this one. I don't think there's been a cartoon that's pushed the envelope since. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, there have been cartoons that have pushed other envelopes. Like there's like BoJack Horseman that will talk about, you know, really adult concepts. There's things like that. But in terms of like animation, the craft of animation, 
nah, nobody's done this. Nothing mm-hmm. like it ever since. And it's kind of surprising because it was such a hit. I want to see that. I want to see some young guy out of like Cal Poly's art program draw something absolutely insane and then deliver it to me to watch. Anything else you want to say about uh, Red Snippy before we uh, hmm. call it a night? I think I'm good. All right. Well, then in that case, let me do some quick admin. Uh, of course, if you like the show, go to uh, iTunes or wherever you listen to this and like, rate, and subscribe. Uh, tell your friends. Uh, if you have thoughts on Red and Stimpy or any of our other episodes, tweet that feedback to at NostalgiaPod. That's our presence on Twitter. Uh, and uh, we're also on Instagram. I'm not sure what our next episode is going to be. We have a few of the works. I think we're going to do one on Batman the End of the Series. Uh, working on an episode still on D2 The Mighty Ducks. So look for that soon. Um, but I think we might have something else in between. So I'm not sure yet, but a lot to look forward to in the new year. Uh, thanks again, Amy, for coming on. It's always good to, of course, chat with my sister. And uh, remember this over this thing that was uh, so we spent so much time worrying about in our childhood and, and quoting and uh, screaming at each other. <laughs> so uh, with that, I uh, I thank you, and uh, that's one more entry in the Nostalgia Arcana. Can he withstand the temptation to push the button that even now beckons him ever closer? Will he succumb to the maddening urge to eradicate history at the mere push of a single button? The beautiful shiny button, the jolly candy-like button. Will he hold out, folks? Can he hold out? Tune in next week as...